Good morning. All right, let's turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 12. If you're there, uh, let me know. Uh, for those of you who are live on Discord, if you aren't and you're listening to this uh, on the podcast or on Patreon, by the way, if you're not on Patreon, you sleep, okay? You sleep. Support us. Support the movement. Support what we're doing. Uh, it's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. And also, I encourage you to text us, 954-231-1848. 954-231-1848. Today, we're going to spend our time in the Word as we usually do. And we are reflecting on Scripture. And so we ask three questions when we reflect on the Scripture. The first question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? That's the first question we ask. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that we ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? So I encourage you to prayerfully reflect on that as we read the text today. And we'll be in Mark. As you know, we're in a journey through the scriptures. We're in a journey through the entire New Testament. We've read through the entire Old Testament. And now we're reading through the entire New Testament. And we're going to see where the Lord takes us today as we spend a few moments reading. And then we're just going to spend a few moments reflecting. I got nothing planned. So who knows? In the mess of it all, we'll see where the Lord leads us. We'll pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together, to spend time in your word. Father, bless this moment. Bless this time. Bless us, Lord, as we engage in your scripture, Lord God. Let us be inspired today, Lord, by your word. We thank you for what you're doing in the life of our community. And we thank you for what you're doing throughout, Lord, just the world. Lord, we, we're so encouraged, even in this moment, Lord, hearing of revival happening all throughout the United States. And Father, we believe that this is just a remnant. Uh, it is the, uh, just a, a foreshadow of what is to come. And so, Father, bless us. We say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark chapter 12, and it says this, then he began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat, and built a tower. And he leased it to the vine dressers and went into a far country. Now at vintage time he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit from the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent them another servant. And at him they threw stones, wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully treated. And again he sent another, and him they killed, and many others, beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, They will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not 
even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected has become a chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hands on him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. And they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. And when they had come, he said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true and care about no one, for you do not regard the person of men. But teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? But he, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring a denarius, that I may see it. So they brought it, and he said to them, Whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him. Then some of the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him and asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying he left no offspring. The second took her, and he died, nor did he leave any offspring. The third likewise. So the seven had her and left no offspring, lest all the women die also. Therefore, in the resurrection, when they rise, whose wife will she be? For all seven had her as wife. Jesus answered and said to them, Are you not therefore mistaken, because you do not know the Scriptures, nor the power of God? For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels in heaven, but concerning the dead, that they rise. Have you not read in the Law of Moses, in the burning bush passage, how God spoke to him, saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? He is not the God of the dead, but the God of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. So, then one of the scribes came, having heard him reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, Which is the first commandment of all? Jesus answered him, The first of all commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second like it is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So the scribe said to him, Well, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all your heart and with all understanding, with all the soul and with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. But after that, no one dared question him. Oh, wait. 
Then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple. How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. Then they said, sorry, then he said to them in his teaching, Beware of the scribes who desire to go around in log robes, love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers. These will receive great condemnation. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury, and many who were rich put in much. And one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which make a quadrants. He called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor woman has put in more in all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put all she had, her whole livelihood. Mark 13, and he went out of the temple. One of his disciples said to him, Teacher, see what manner of stones and what builders are here. And Jesus answered and said to him, Do you see these great buildings? Not one stone shall be left upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us when these things will be, and what will be the sign when these things will be fulfilled? And Jesus answered them, sorry, and Jesus answering them began to say, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am he, and will deceive many. But when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be troubled, for such things must happen, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes in various places, and there will be famines and troubles. These are the beginnings of sorrows. But watch out for yourselves, for they will deliver you up to councils, and you will be beaten in the synagogues. You will be brought before rulers and kings for my sake, for a testimony to them. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and deliver you up, do not be worried beforehand or, pre or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Now brother will betray brother to death and father his child and children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death and you will be hated by all for my sake. He who endures to the end will be saved. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing where it not not let the reader understand. And let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is 
on the housetops, not go down into the house, nor enter to take anything out of the house. And let him who is in the field and not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter. For in those days there will be a tribulation, such as has not been seen since the beginning of creation, which God created until this time, nor ever shall be. And unless the Lord has shortened these days, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, whom he chose, he shortened the days. And if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or look, he is there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. But take heed, see, I have told you all things beforehand. But in those days after that tribulation, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars of heaven will fall and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send his angels and gather together the elect <clears throat> and gather together the elect from four winds, from the farthest parts of the earth to the farthest part of heaven. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When the branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. But of that day, an hour no one knows, not even the angels, nor the Son, but only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you do not know when the time is. It is like a man going to a far country who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to each his work and commanded the doorkeeper to watch. Watch, therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In the evening, at midnight, at the crowning of the rooster, I sorry, at the crowing of the rooster, or in the morning, lest coming suddenly you fi he find you sleeping. And what I say to you, I say to all, watch. I say to you, I say to all, watch. I want to stop right here. And. I'm going to devote just a little bit of extra time in our next reading to finish the book of Mark. So we'll be done with the book of Mark. These are interesting words. Interesting words coming from a man who knows he is in his last days. Interesting words from a man who knows that they've that the pressure is rising. It's like, as we talked about before, the Mentos in the Coke. That's what I titled the last episode, by the way. The Mentos in the Coke. Here we see the Mentos 
is in the Coke. The Coke bottle has been shut. But the pressure is rising. And the cap can't hold that bottle for much longer. Jesus knows how that the forces of evil confronting the kingdom of God has left the pressure brewing. And it's about to blow. Jesus knows it's only a matter of time before he's going to be arrested, before he's going to be brought to legal courts, before he's going to be mutilated, tortured, spit on, beat. And he knows it's only a matter of time before he will be placed on a cross where nails will be pierced on his hands, nails on his feet, or nail on his feet. And there he will, as most, give up the ghost. The death that comes from crucifixion is actually a suffocation. But for those who've been mutilated before, it's actually a drowning. It's one of the most painful ways to die. It's a slow, painful death. And usually most guys die out of pure fatigue because they cannot pull themselves up again to get a little bit of breath in. Not a way to go. And Jesus knows this day is coming. Having the cognizance that this day is coming should make us all, right, aware that whatever he's saying at this point is important. Like what, what, whatever's going down right now is important. If he knows that he's about to go, then these words that he's speaking right now matter. If you're about to die, your most important words are your final words. And for the many words that Jesus has spoken up to this point, these are the most important words. And so pay very close attention to those red letters. Pay very, very close attention to them because Jesus is making sure he settles everything. And he knows after this, there's nothing else left to give. The work is done. There's a work that he's doing on the cross, but pay very close attention as well that there's a work that he's been doing in the life of those who followed him for those three years of ministry. Jesus knows that while he has settled the account and he's settling the account on the cross, there's a work that comes after it. And that work will be propagated, will be continued through the people that he has taught up to this point. And he's done life with it to this, up to this point. So these words matter. These words matter because this is all he's got left. After that, he's gone. Just think about that for a second. Like how important that is to contextualize 
the weight of the things Jesus is saying here. Jesus has entered into Jerusalem. Imagine crowds everywhere. And imagine that Jesus is, I mean, he is lighting the place up. He enters with a triumphal entry, garners the attention of the religious elite. He's also garnered the attention of the government, the Roman Empire. He's garnered the attention of the kingdom of Israel, King Herod. Everybody knows Jesus is there because everybody's talking about him. My, 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 how fast things can change in three years. <laughs> to, be, to go from being a no-name to becoming the name. That's another word for another day. But everybody was following this man, following his ministry. And this guy now is threatening the establishment. He's threatening the establishment and he's coming at the, just think about this for a second. This is the, it, this is the historical intersection of culture, faith, history, all happening right here in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a key post in the Roman Empire. But Jerusalem is, is the point of religious aspiration. The aspiration of the Jews and the power of that at that intersection comes the intersection of God. So we have the intersection of Israel's story. We have the intersection and at that intersection, at that point, we see what crosses that point is Rome's conquest and Rome's power. And then right there at that point in that intersection is Jesus and the power and the movement and the work that God is doing in the history of all humanity. This is powerful. This is a powerful moment. And I want you guys to pay very, very close attention to this moment because in this moment, Jesus is saying some stuff. This no name now is the name. He is the man. And the Pharisees are trying to get rid of him. Jesus is not backing down. He speaks in a parable that they understand. And in the parable of the vine dressers, he's pointing to the fact that if you notice in the text, the reason why they're upset, because they know exactly what Jesus is talking about. Israel has been known to kill the prophets. And so from prophet to prophet to prophet to prophet, Jesus is saying that not only did you kill those servants, but now the owner of the vineyard has sent the son and the son, they took him and they killed him and they cast him out of the vineyard. Jesus is calling them out saying, I know what you're about to do. I know what's about to go down. I know the work that you're about to do. I know exactly what's about to happen. And, and then he closes and says, the chief cornerstone, which the builders rejected. Sorry, I saw robotic. Am I back? 
Let me know if I'm back. Good. Just want to make sure my Discord community is still with me here. And so he says, you're going to take the son now. And you're going to kill him. And you're going to cast him out of the vineyard. Jesus is speaking to the fact that I know what you're going to do, but guess what? When you are done with what you're about to do, I'm going to show you what the owner of the vineyard is going to do. Let me, uh, let me get out and I'm going to get back on. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we're going to show all this. We're going to put all this in the podcast. We're going to put all of this in the podcast. I'm going to try to get back on here. Let's see. Let's see if that worked. See if we're back here. All right, there you go. Are we back? We're putting all of this in the podcast. I got my whole Discord community freaking out right now. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Everything is delayed. I'm getting a delayed response. So like I'm on now. <clears throat> Let me know if it's working. If not, I'm just going to finish recording it and then I'm just going to send it to y'all. It'll be on Patreon for you guys. All right. Let me see. Um, let me message him real quick. There's still no sound. Interesting. I can't explain why there's no sound. All right, I'll give it another minute. If there's no sound again, I'm just going to finish it and then... I'm going to post it for everybody. Ah, this is the season we're in, y'all. This is the season we're in. You guys get to see everything live. All of it in the background. Let's see. All right. I'm not sure why it's cut off, but, uh, but it's saying that there's no sound. It's never. Nothing. Okay. Uh, all right, I'm going to finish it and then I'll post it because I don't know what's happening, yo. I'm sorry. Um, I apologize. So I'll just I'll just finish it up and then we'll post it. Don't want to lose my train of thought on this. 
So this is important because now what Jesus is doing, going back to what we were saying, so Jesus gives this parable of the vine dressers. And after Jesus presents this parable to them, he points to the fact that the owner of the vineyard will not only destroy the vine dressers, but will give the vineyard to others, pointing to the fact that the vineyard is the kingdom. This is the inheritance that they are going to receive. And then those who will receive it won't be the vine dressers, the ones who would kill the servants who would come in in the first place. And so this again points to Jesus already pointing to them saying, I know what y'all about to do. I know what's about to go down. And even though I know all of this is about to go down, this is how it's going to end. Of course, they wanted to put hands on him, but they knew there's too many folks out here. So now they know, okay, that's it. We're done. We got to get rid of this Jesus. So now they're trying to put a case against him. The questions that they're asking him is not to measure or to determine his intelligence. It's not to determine his understanding of the Mosaic law. It's to trap him. And so they begin to follow him along with everybody else to trap him. This is also important for you to know. And this is good for people who are in ministry, those who are whatever endeavor that you're in. There's a principle here that you can learn here is that just because somebody's in your periphery and just because they're part of the crowd does not mean they are for you. Not everyone who is part of the crowd is for you. Not everyone who's part of, 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 or who's in your periphery or who's in your clique is actually for you. Some are there to put a case up against you. And in this case, these men who followed him around were there to present and to, 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 to establish a case, to build a case against Jesus. So, of course, they ask him the question of, is it lawful to pay taxes uh, to Caesar? And, of course, you know, they're trying to get him because if he says to choose one or the other, then they can, you know, they can either get him in the Jewish court or they can get him in the Roman court. Of course, Jesus brilliantly answers, render to Caesar's what Caesar's and the things of God that are God's. Jesus is not going to let them bring him down out of that, from that. But then the Sadducees ask him about the resurrection. And of course, the Sadducees who did not believe in the resurrection, did not believe there was a resurrection to come, um, present a case against him to see, uh, or, or ask him a question to see if they can present a case against him. And then, of course, the scribes then address him. So you have the, the, the Sadducees. So the Pharisees first address him, then the Sadducees address him, and then the scribes address him, asking him, because they're the biblically literate. They're the biblically elite. They're the ones who know the Hebrew. They're the ones who know the Bible. And so they ask him, well, which is the greatest commandment of all? Knowing that if Jesus chose one of those commandments, then, of course, he would praise precedence over another. And yet Jesus responds, so brilliantly, because again, he's not just a teacher of the word. He is the word himself. And so Jesus then responds and says, well, the first commandment is to love the Lord God. Well, he said the first commandment is like this. He says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And so he speaks to, um, 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 he, the, he prefaces the law with this, that the greatest commandment is this, and that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He says, this is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Again, bringing the truth of the entire 
biblical Hebrew text into one. And of course, this inspires one of the scribes. And the scribe says to him, you have spoken truth. You have spoken truth. Yeah, that's it. And Jesus says to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Notice at the center of all this is still the kingdom of God. We've been talking about this over and over and over again. The, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel of the kingdom. It's the gospel of the kingdom. And so then he says to him, for the guy who gets it, he's not far from the kingdom. And then Jesus warns them, beware of the scribes, beware of people who are postured. He says, beware of the ones who will show themselves to be righteous. Beware of the ones who perform to impress everybody else. As a matter of fact, it's the least of these. Those are the ones you should pay attention to. It's the widow with the two mites, not the rich people who give out of their abundance. Where am I getting to? What's my point? And I'm going to close because I don't want to say too much without having my Discord community with me, but what is Jesus pointing to here? The weight of these last words are heavy because they're weighed down by the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus is bringing to light the kingdom. He's warning them that the kingdom is here. Not only is the kingdom is here, there will be elements, principalities, powers, institutions, things that will come against the kingdom. And these things will come in many different ways. They will come in religion. They will come in institutions. They will come in divisiveness and division. They will come through lies and deceit. They will come through personalities who will call themselves messiahs, saviors. They will come where nation rises against nation, kingdom against kingdom. These things will come. They are all false. He said, don't trust anybody who says they're a savior. Don't trust anyone who says here is the Christ. Don't trust anyone who points at the false Christ and the false prophets. He says to them, those times will come. And if any of them point to themselves as the solution, as the answer, don't trust them. I'm bringing it down real simple, family. Don't trust them. Don't rely on them. Don't believe in them. As a matter of fact, run for your life. Because that's not how the Son of Man will come. That's not how I will come. I will come magnificently. I will come supernaturally. I will come in power and in glory. 
Jesus is speaking of his coming and he's saying, don't trust anybody else who has anything to say about the fact that they are the Christ or that they are the ones. They are not the ones. And don't trust anybody who gives you an hour or a time or a moment. This is the problem that we have today is that we have, it's not surprising that many of the false prophets out there, somehow they have a time. They have a moment. And here's my last thought. And this is the weight of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying from here on out, live like I'm coming tomorrow. Live like the hour is here. Live like the time has come. If you knew that Jesus was coming today, this moment, this hour, how would you live? If you knew that Jesus was coming at noon, what would you do? And how would you live? If you knew that Jesus was coming to restore all things and all things would be brought to to reconciliation today, what would you do? If you knew that the consummation would happen today, if you knew that all things would be restored, justice would be restored, all sickness and pain would be gone. Nations wouldn't rise against nations anymore. There would be no death. There would be no tears. There would be nothing. If you knew that God was establishing the fullness, the manifest fullness of his kingdom, Eden would be restored. If you knew that all things would have been finally in finality made new at noon. What would you do? How would you live? Because Jesus closes this time and he says to them, no one knows the hour for good reason. Not even the angels. Not even the son, but only the father. Take heed, watch, and pray. Don't let him catch you sleeping. We've been talking about revival, and this I'm done. We've been talking about revival. We've been talking about th this awakening that's happening. We hear about the Asbury revivals and all these revivals, and, and we see revivals happening across colleges and in high schools and they're saying now that this next generation there's an awakening happening in this next generation it is it is a beautiful thing to see it is a beautiful thing to see that the next generation is now thirsting after christ seeking christ it's a powerful thing but what is the first generation doing what, what is what is the millennial generation doing well what is the gen x generation doing right now I find a lot of us are criticizing a lot of us are trying to see whether or not it's a it's a real movement are they preaching the gospel 
don't hear anything they're preaching about. What is this generation doing right now? Because I find that the skepticism of this generation sounds a lot like the Pharisees and the scribes. Sounds a lot like the Sadducees. And while one is experiencing an awakening, another one is sleeping. Maybe it's time for this generation to wake up. Not because you know the word, the Sadducees had it, the Pharisees had it. Not because you you know the law. Not because you have money and power and comfort. My question is, is, are you actually awake? Don't let Jesus come catching you sleeping. Don't let him come catching you spiritually dead but biblically literate. Don't let him come with you still having these debates and arguments over theologies, over doctrines, and yet have no power. Don't let him come and for you to be dry, lifeless, Be filled with the Spirit. Come alive in the Spirit. Thirst after Him. Seek Him. Get over yourself, your control, your power, your denomination. Seek Him. Because these men knew the Word. And Jesus only said to one guy, you're getting close. So many are knowledgeable in the word, yet they're far from the kingdom. Don't let him catch you sleeping. Family, don't let him catch you sleeping. Love you, family. God bless you guys. The only father, we thank you. Lord, as we come together today, Lord, Father, I just pray that you would bless each and every person who hears this today. Father, give them grace. Lord, give them grace today, Lord God. Bless them today as they uh, navigate through this day, Lord. Let them be mindful. Lord, to be awake, to be aware, to live every day as if you are coming. And Father, teach us not to get caught up but Lord, to seek you, to be alive and awake, prepared for your return. And we say that in Jesus' name, amen.